May God add his blessing to the reading of the scriptures this morning. And may the words from my mouth be just what we all need to hear today. One day the animals in the forest were, uh, were all together and they decided that life was not fair. Some of the animals were better at flying than others were. Some of the animals were better at climbing than others were. Some were better at swimming. And to even things out, they decided that they were going to start a school where the animals could improve in the areas of their weaknesses. And so after a month in the program, tempers and frustrations, frustration was rising. They were upset. The rabbit was the fastest runner, but he could not climb a tree. The squirrel was the first one up the tree, but he just couldn't learn how to swim. The duck could swim for hours without any problem, but he couldn't run. He was very slow. The eagle could fly. He could soar high above everyone else. But for the life of him, he couldn't climb a tree. They were all miserable because they were forced to go into a position that didn't match their abilities and their gifts. And so instead of celebrating what they enjoyed the most and doing it, they focused on what they couldn't do and where they came up short. Do you, this morning, know what you're good at? Sometimes we know what we're good at because other people tell us that they notice it. The very earliest sign that I really feel I've, I got from God that I was being called to be a pastor was a long time ago when I was a teenager. And my pastor at that time told me that he saw leadership ability in me and that he thought that there was a good possibility that I may, I may make a good pastor someday. So other people notice and they tell you what they think your gifts and your abilities might be. Sometimes uh, in the professional world, we take aptitude tests to see what we're good at. But most of the time, we just have to kind of figure it out by trial and error and depend on God's Holy Spirit to guide us as we try to discern what's best for us and for our lives. I remember very well that I learned that arts and crafts were not my thing the hard way. I was asked to help out uh, at Vacation Bible School when I was a teenager. And I said, sure, put me wherever you need me. That'll be fine. And I think I was about uh, 16, maybe 15 or probably 16. Yeah, because I was driving at the time. And they gave me the fifth grade girls. Well, I don't know how fifth grade girls are today, but back then, I found that it was easy to teach them, you know, for devotional time. We did fine with the games. And when we uh, did the scripture verse memorization and all that, it all went fine. But then, it was time for arts and crafts. 
I was definitely a mismatch for that job. These fifth grade girls lived for arts and crafts. This, I don't know if I had a special group or if all fifth grade girls at that age are, are just, they get very excited about making things. And so that was their favorite part of VBS. And our project on this particular day was to make a stained glass window. And we were to make it by gluing tissue paper onto, uh, into pretty little patterns, you know, cutting it into little shapes and onto a clear glass frame, you know, with a piece of glass with a frame around it, okay? I told them, you know, I read the directions to them, and I thought I understood what, what we were supposed to do, and I encouraged them along the way. But as they were going along, these stained glass windows weren't looking much like stained glass windows. In fact, they were pretty ugly. The girls were being polite about it, but they said, I remember them saying, one of them saying, I, I don't think we're doing this right. And I said, yeah, we are. We're following the directions. It says to just glue the tissue paper to the glass. But looking at it, I knew this wasn't right. Something was going wrong here. And I didn't understand what the problem was. Along came the VBS director, and she said, what are you doing? And I said, we're making our stained glass windows. She said, did you read the directions? I said, yeah, we're doing exactly what it says. And she said, no, you're not. You don't have tissue paper. And I said, yeah, I do have tissue paper. I went out and I bought it myself. I bought different colored boxes of Kleenex for the kids. <laughs> and she said, that's not tissue paper. You don't use Kleenex for this project. And I said, there's a difference between tissue and Kleenex? I call it a tissue. Well, her laughing at me and the kids laughing at me convinced me of two things. First of all, arts and crafts wasn't going to be my gift. And secondly, that there is a difference between tissue paper and Kleenex. Today, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, what they are. What I'm going to do is I'm going to sort of divide this in half so we'll keep it shorter and simpler. This week I'm going to talk about what spiritual gifts are, and the next week we'll talk about what to do with your spiritual gifts. We're going to look at this passage of Scripture that Larry read for us this morning a little bit differently than we usually do. Um, generally, you would think you would start at verse 3 and read through verse and work your way through verse 8, right? Well, we're not going to do that today because as I studied these verses, I noticed something about them. I notice that you can't really understand what the first part of it is about unless you first read the second part. So we're going to do that first. The question is, what are spiritual gifts? Paul says that we have different gifts given to each of us, not we wish we had different gifts given to us, or it would be nice if we had spiritual gifts. Or some people have spiritual gifts and some don't. No, he says we have 
That means God has gifted me and God has gifted you with talents, abilities, and gifts to serve him. Every person has spiritual gifts. Every church, every ministry has people within it who have certain talents and abilities and gifts that he's given you in order to serve him and serve others. Paul says that these gifts are different for everyone. And then he gives us seven different examples. Now there are other gifts that are named in the Bible also, besides these seven. But today I'm going to focus briefly on each of these seven. I'm going to talk about these seven. And I'd like you to do something a little bit different today. I'd like you to really pay attention to what those seven gifts are. And then as I talk about them and describe them, think about what gifts might fit you the best. Either grab a paper and pencil and jot it down as we go, or go back and watch, listen to the podcast. Jerry puts the podcast on uh, our, our uh, website. You can go back and listen to the website, or uh, you can go to our Facebook page, and there will be a link there uh, this afternoon or at the latest tomorrow, which you can listen again if you'd like. But really give this some serious thought. This is important stuff. It really, really is. I'm going to ask you to see if you can pick out maybe one or two gifts at least that you might be gifted with, that God have, might, have, might have given you. First of all, he talks about the gift of prophesying. It says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. What in the world is prophesying? Well, prophesying is an ability to speak the truth with insight and with relevance. Now, you might expect a, a minister, a pastor, to have the gift of prophecy. It's needed. We ask our, you, you ask me every week, my part of my responsibility to you as the people of God and as this church body is to take the scriptures, look at them, analyze them, and try to give you some insight as to what they mean and then how you can use them in your daily life. That's prophesying. So you might expect it from, from pastors and from preachers, but it's not just limited to them. Have you ever, and I know anybody on the church council in the last five years since I've been, well, before that. I was on the council before, so probably in the, next, in the past eight or nine years has seen this happen. Have you ever been in a meeting where you're talking about a certain subject, a decision has to be made, and the conversation and the discussion goes on and on and on and on and on. And everybody gives their opinion, and we keep going in circles and going in circles and going in circles. And everybody's getting tired of it. And then suddenly, there's that one person in the room who says, hey, why don't we do it this way? And it makes complete sense. And everybody says, why in the heck didn't we think about that 30 minutes ago? Yeah, that happens. It happens often. What happened? One person spoke with insight and with understanding, and that came 
from the Lord as a gift to the rest of the people there and to the whole church council in that case. Some people have this gift. God just uses them often to bring wisdom and truth and understanding in all different situations. I can assure you this gift is in this church. We have people with that gift. Is this something that you can see God doing through you? Next, we have the gift of serving. Paul says if it is serving, then serve. Serving is a special ability to get things done. And I thank God for people who have the gift of serving. It's one thing to have great ideas, and we have some good idea people too in this church. But it's another thing to make it happen. If you hear people saying something needs to be done and you think to yourself, oh, I could do that. You might have that gift. Wonderful gift. This gift would include greeters, ushers, people who prepare things for church beforehand, change the pyramids, the, uh, the, the color when we change different seasons of the uh, liturgical seasons. Um, things like Jerry and Rhonda running the media, uh, arranging flowers, care of the building. These are the people who make it happen around here. This gift, again, I can assure you, is here in this church and more than one individual. Next, we have teaching. If it is teaching, if your gift is teaching, then teach. Teaching is defined as a special ability to help others grow in knowledge and character and in skills. Things like teaching a class might be one thing. Maybe teaching a Sunday school class. Maybe leading a Bible study. An important gift. This is a gift that's needed now in our church. We're looking for leaders right now. We're looking for some, I should say teachers right now. We're looking for teachers for our young people as soon as we resume Sunday school. If you have that gift, please consider it. You need to find a place to use it. If you don't use it here, use it somewhere. One common thing among teachers is that they not only love to learn, but they love to see other people learn. And they love to watch, whether it be children or adults, they love to watch other people grow because of what they've taught them. It's a special gift. They enjoy it. Teachers, coaches, these are the people we call disciplers. They bring others along in their faith. I can assure you again, this gift is present in this church. Next, I should ask you, first of all, is teaching something that you can see God doing through you. Next, we have the gift of encouraging. If it is to encourage, says Paul, then give encouragement. Boy, do we have some people that are good at this. It's a special ability to bring strength and comfort to other people. What a beautiful gift. These people are sensitive to others. They're sensitive to those who are lonely. They offer friendship to people who need it. In conversation, 
just talking to you, they will, they will offer words that build you up and make you feel better about things. It helps you feel that you can go on, even when you were to that point where you weren't really too sure. They lift you up. If you have this gift, you should realize that your gift in ministry keeps others in ministry. People who have the gift of encouraging are so important in the church, not to downplay any other gift because everyone is as important as the other. But those who encourage keep the rest of us going sometimes. People who have the gift of encouraging keep this pastor going sometimes. Sometimes when I'm right at the end of my rope, God will send along someone who has that gift. And they will say just the right words, and I'll be okay. I can assure you that this gift, too, is present in this church. Is this something that you can see God doing through you? We have it all over the place in this church. We have many people with the gift of encouragement. Next, we have giving. Scripture says if, it, if your gift is giving, then give generously. The gift of giving is defined as a special ability to release what God has given to you. One thing to be given, things of this world, it's another to release it and be willing to share it. This doesn't just mean that you have money. It means that God has given you a vision for using that money for the furtherance of the gospel, for the, for the sake of God's kingdom, for other people. It's another wonderful gift. God calls us to give, every one of us, just as he calls us to serve and to encourage and to show mercy. But some people do have a special gift in this area. If God has trusted you with money, see that as a gift. Of course, God didn't give any of us money just for ourselves. So we need to all ask ourselves, how does he want us to use it? God will show us as we walk with him and ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. I can assure you, this gift is definitely present in this church. Is it something that you can see God doing through you? Next, there's a gift of leading. If it is to lead, do it diligently. Leading is a special ability to blaze a trail, to be able to see ahead, to get in front and have others follow. Leaders want to move ahead, but they want to not only move ahead themselves, they want to take other people with them. Leaders set the direction. They take the initiative. They say, let's try it. Let's do it. The mark of a true leader is that other people are following. God has called some people in this church to be leaders, and they're good at it. We have an excellent group of leaders in this church right now, and we have had since I've been a part of Zion. We always have. God has called some people who have an ability to, a vision for how things might be, and then for finding ways to lead us in that direction. If you're a leader, you see opportunities where other people see problems. 
think it's interesting how different people's perspectives on different things. I was speaking with a group of ministers not too long ago, just a few weeks back, and we were talking about COVID and how we thought it was over, and here we are again with this new strain and talk of more, and we all came to the conclusion, because we're all so smart, that it's never going to go away. It's always going to be there to some degree. And we're all kind of glum and uh, poor us. And one guy in the crowd said, but you know what, you guys? This has really brought a lot of great opportunity. Okay, Mr. Positive. Whatever. And he said, how many of us a year and a half ago knew how to have church electronically? I said, we did. But a lot of churches didn't. How many people knew how, knew, knew how to not only uh, minister to people in person in the sanctuary, but also over the air? We've learned a lot of things, a lot of important things. In even this lousy cloud, there are silver linings. And leaders see that. If you have a gift to be a leader, find a place and lead. I assure you again, this gift is in this church. Ask yourself, is this something that you can see God doing through you? In a few months, we'll be looking at a new year. We'll be looking, there will be some changes in the church leadership as there is every year, except last year because of COVID. Consider these things. Think about it. Think about being a member of the church council. Think now about being part of the Christian Ed Committee. Talk to someone on the committee or myself. We'll tell you what it's all about. It's important. Those are important leadership positions. Are any of these things something that you can see God doing through you? And finally, mercy. It says if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The gift of mercy is a special ability to help those who can't help themselves, to help those who are powerless. In any society, there are some people who just are neglected or they're just in great need through no fault of their own. In scripture, we read about the foreigner, we read about the orphan, we read about the widows. Today, we could add the hungry, the homeless, the imprisoned, the poor. God has given some people a special heart for those who are most in need. It's almost like an instinct. You want to do something to help those who are less fortunate than you. This gift, too, is present in this church. Maybe this is something that you can see God doing through you, or you do see God doing through you regularly. There are a lot of people in this church I believe have this gift. If we look at these seven gifts, we see that they're all things that describe Jesus really, really well when you think about it. 
Jesus is a prophet. He took the form of a servant. He was a teacher. He was an encourager of people around him. He gave himself. He's a leader of this church today. He showed great mercy when he looked down on us and saw us helpless, and he did something about it. Which of these seven reflections of Jesus, these spiritual gifts, do you see in yourself? Where did you find yourself thinking, hmm, that's me? We have these amazing gifts. When you discover the gifts that God has given you, the ways that God has given you to be involved in the lives of other people, then the next question is, how does God want me to use my gifts? Next week, we'll talk about how we, how we, should, we can use those gifts that God has blessed us with. I hope that this has been helpful. I hope it's given you some things to think about. Amen.